0: Thank you for joining us for our next podcast. This episode is going to be focusing on an update from our Guyana trip that just was experienced here by a part of our team. And as I've been listening to the team share with us some of the things that happened that God did on the trip, I began to understand the God moments that were taking place there. And one of the reasons for the podcast was so that we could have opportunity for our church body to be able to hear those God moments. I have said, uh, why do a podcast? One of the reasons to do a podcast was that we in the office here at the church hear the God moments, we hear the stories, we see the emails. And we just don't have time on Sundays to get those words out there and to get those stories out there to people. So I'm excited that today joining us with this episode is Pastor Nate Garrett, who is our youth pastor here at Peninsula, and uh, he is back now from Guyana after a week being there. And so good morning, Nate. How are you doing today? Have you recuperated from the trip? That's the question we want to start out with.
1: I think so. We were in that same time zone, so you'd think there wouldn't be any jet lag involved. Um, The only odd thing so far, recuperating, one, coming back into a house with a lot of things in it, and I even heard from one of the parents of a student who went that their student just walks around the house saying, why do we have all this stuff? Um, That's amazing. So that's that's kind of a recoup thing of getting back to flipping on a light switch and a light coming on. Or turning a water faucet. So it's not there being jet watered.
0: lag that you're experiencing. It's uh, correct. Uh, material lag or <laughs> whatever. Yeah, and then the other talk.
1: the other thing I think the tiredness isn't from the trip. It's from the uh, oh, we're closer to the equator there, and so even though it gets light around the same time, it gets dark at six thirty p.m. Yeah, so so I've, around six thirty, I'm looking for the the that hammock that's no longer hanging.
0: <laughs> yeah, gotcha. So we're going to get into some of those details in just a moment. Pastor Nate has been the pastor here for several years uh, for with our teenagers and uh, wonderful youth ministry. We have a podcast uh, that is coming about the youth ministry world, and uh, you'll be able to learn a little bit more about Pastor Nate and who he is and his family and those types of things. But we are going to take time today, Nate, to just speak about the guy on a trip. And I wanted to bring our church up to speed on uh, the this particular partnership that we have with the ministry down there. Uh, we were put into contact with the missionary on the ground, Greg and Wendy Mann, or the missionaries, I guess I should say, who are serving that area in Guyana. And um, they, uh, this contact had been going and helping Greg Mann build churches, actual facilities and buildings, but Greg was ready for uh, the interaction with the people to begin to take a new level for people to come in and to uh, be able to minister one-on-one with the with the people rather than brick-and-mortar. He wanted opportunity to start training and teaching people in the ministry. And so We formed a partnership with uh, Greg and Wendy Mann, and uh, you, along with three others, went down and did a pre-trip visit uh, back a few months ago, and then that materialized into this week-long trip. So I just want to take just a few moments um, to to kind of introduce that and let people understand kind of what the scope of it is and uh, who all went with you. So you took a team of... Eight. Eight people. Yeah, we had uh, four adults and four students go with us, uh,
1: juniors and seniors in high school. Um, when we went back in March with just four adults, I was I was kind of blown away as we did FaceTime meetings in advance with the missionary. Here thinking, I'm going to do a preliminary trip where we're just going to scope out the areas we might minister in, think about the types of things we might do ministry-wise, <clears throat> and Greg, the missionary on the ground, Um was insistent that we're not going to waste this trip with just details. That if we've got four people coming from America, let's do ministry. So yeah. I ended up preaching three times in, in different villages, and we ran games and sang songs with them. Met the people. Um, just we we came back from a preliminary trip that was a missions trip. Yeah, we saw people amazing. come to Christ, and um, just phenomenal. And, and so that right there, my heart, my my. Um, my vision for missions and so forth, and I think, which is in line with our church's vision, just really resonated with where Greg and Wendy are, with their heart for ministry and and to waste no time, because there's we don't know how much time we have.
0: Yeah, today is the day that the Lord has given us, and uh, we've got to take advantage of what He's given us today. So you mentioned that on this pre-trip visit that you did, um, that you preached— um, did you have to learn a new language before you went? How does that work? You're going into a foreign country. I always, when I think foreign country, I'm thinking right. traveling with an interpreter. How, how does that work?
1: So Guyana was the only British excuse me, colony in South America. The others were settled by Spain and so forth. So they never spoke Spanish. There's, if there's any Spanish-speaking people, they're right on the border coming over from Venezuela as refugees. Everyone oh, okay. else speaks what they call English and what we are like, huh? Yeah. So it's, it's a Creole English. You might think of Creole French in the New Orleans area um, with people who, who are Cajun, um, but this is a very broken English. They don't use um, as many adjectives as we do. They would not describe something as, you know, big and loud or anything. They would just say what it is. But they speak very fast in the same process. Gotcha. And then there's a lot of words we use that mean different things than what they use. For example, smart. Um, you might say to the kids, and I did say to the kids, <clears throat> you're a bunch of smart kids. You've really picked up quick on this game we're teaching you. And they looked at me like I had said something horrible. And the missionary let me know that smart means rude. Um, <laughs> that I should say that they're bright. Um, they don't call them kids either. And that's a big barrier for me to get over when I'm talking to a group of children. Uh, Because kids are baby goats, and Ah. we we call them children or boys and girls. And there's a lot of other words that um, are different.
0: But did you find in that that they were patient with a little bit of that barrier? Yes,
1: and they've heard it before from teams who come in. Uh, So they still know where you're... If they're involved in the church there, they still know. Um, They know where you're going with it and so forth. They can understand us way better than we can understand them. So in preaching, they... um, Humor doesn't translate as well, which for me, I was like, "Oh no, what am I going to do?" <laughs>
0: that's and half of my message, yeah, that's
1: half of what I got. <laughs> and uh, but facial expressions and body language absolutely translates. Oh. And so, where if you make a surprised face or something as you're teaching a narrative of scripture, um, and the and the biblical character is surprised, um, they'll laugh their heads off. You know, so uh-huh. like they're not um, opposed to that. Um, so yeah, the language, I think the language was, was a neat thing. We just kind of have to ask people to repeat things yeah, a few times, but, yeah. um, toward the end of the week, you ask them to repeat less and less and less as you start thinking along the lines of... Your brain starts acclimating correct. to...
0: Because it is brain. English. It is English. Right, right. So. so that's amazing. So you came out of they the They might say something visit. like,
1: uh, we'll be speaking Planet man. <laughs> I'm like... What would what you say? They're yeah, well, they, they just saying are, they talk faster than us. People are now hitting
0: yeah. repeat on the podcast trying to figure out what you just we said.
1: We be like. speaking a plenty, Mon. Oh. Which is like we're, you. it's kind of a Caribbean mix into wow, an, is, an isolated people group that has their languages evolved on different tracks than American English.
0: Gotcha. So you came out of that pre-trip visit with excitement of going back in with the eight. What I want to talk a little bit about is is what happened during this week of the eight being down there. First of all, what did you guys do while you were down there? Did you build something? Did you paint something, reorganize something? What did you do, actually? Um, no. Uh, as far as physical labor, I and mean, we could have done some of those
1: things, I've always been of the mindset, and I, I don't mind doing that. We just, you know, we, we went on a trip to Iowa this summer where we painted houses and built handicap ramps and um, shared the gospel. Um, but if what we're doing could be done by an atheist group, is it really a missions trip? Um, now, when we painted houses, we were also sharing the gospel. So no, an atheist and wouldn't do that. Bible studies. Correct. Some and having like Bible that. studies and worship services and um, leading residents to Christ, good things. Um, but what we were going down to do was strictly to disciple and to to um, teach people who Jesus is, teach them the gospel. And so we ran a vacation Bible school, which was odd to me because um, they call vacation holiday. I don't know why it wasn't holiday Bible school, but we call it vacation Bible school because that's, that's our American way. Right. And um, so we did that in two different areas. We did one in a, in a village called Seabuy that has between 400 and 600 people, hmm, had, okay. a, had 130 kids there. So wow. that's, that's a good portion of the town, um, and it's only accessible by boat. And only accessible, that area is only accessible by a 12-passenger plane. And then you go on a boat for an hour. And then we went to a place called Canal Bank, which no one lives by the church who could... No one can walk to the church, zero, except for the pastor's family. Everyone comes by boat uh, because all of them are just cut out of the rainforest along the river. Gotcha. And so they all come by boat there. And we had about, I would say, 75 or 80 kids there. They all came by boat. Wow! Um, so we would do this VBS each day, where we um, we put each of our four adults in charge of different areas. So it might be the message time, or the worship time, or the craft time, or the um, rec time. And in all of those, we're reinforcing the Bible verses, we're asking them about the theme that we're doing, and the kids are getting it, and they're able to, to share back with us what they're learning. Um, and then our students... They would stay with a group of students. So, like, we might um, put those in groups of, you know, 35 or 40 kids who are staying with one of our students and rotating so to So, they those. became like
0: a team. Correct. And our teenagers that went were the team leaders.
1: Correct. Like, the team leader, team captain, they would go with them. And twice a day in those four different areas, twice a day, um, they wouldn't be the helper and the assistant, they would be the one who runs it. Okay. So a student might rotate into the craft area and be the one who teaches what the craft is, the significance of the craft, and then they might lead the games and rec. So another day they might be very much hands-on. Yes. Very much hands-on. Every, every student that went um did the Bible lesson one day to a large group of students. Um every student that went did um shared their personal testimony to the entire group of students who so were there. So what do
0: you say to someone who hears this and they go I could never in a million years do that because they're not a up front of in front of a crowd speaker. And what if I say something wrong? Or that just scares me. I could never see myself doing that. How do you respond to that? Those
1: are the four students we took. Um, They all said that. Um, None of them had ever led in singing before. One of them had been in the marching band, but not not the chorus. None of them have ever up front shared a message with anybody. Um, Some of them even said they'd never shared their testimony with another individual.
0: Hmm.
1: And so after, and even, even the last night they shared a testimony of what God had done in their life. Each person on our team with the entire church, when you're talking about a room packed out with a couple hundred people of adults and stuff too. And to see them move from that was amazing. So we, um, one of the students has already (laughs) came back, went to work, the next day or two days from then, um, and, um, has already shared his testimony with another individual I heard from his mom, which is just huge, um, compared to that. Um, one, one evening, the, the boats had not picked up the children yet and we were waiting for them to come and we had been having to add extra games, extra songs and everything. And the adults finally said, you got this. And we went downstairs and, um, down to this little porch area over a swamp. Yeah. And when I say downstairs, we're not talking about a two-story building here. And then they were up on the, in the church on the stilts where the church is, and the four students took turns leading songs and leading games and just really um, hanging out with the children while they were waiting to be picked up. And then we heard a student whose mother was on the trip singing Amazing Grace with all the students in the microphone and the little Bluetooth speaker that we had. And she was like, I've never even heard him sing before much less in front of people. It's just wow. the inhibitions were down as God moved in their life. So for people who say that, I, they can think, oh, I've seen Pastor Nate before, if you know who I am, and he's an upfront guy. He wouldn't mind doing that. I've seen some of the other adults who might have went on the trip. They're like that. The students weren't like that. Um, one of our uh, leaders who went uh, went on the preliminary trip as well, and she was and very not upfront of a person. As she laid in her hammock one night, She just began to cry and and thought, why have I waited all these years to go on an international missions trip? She had never been on one and was only going to be a logistics person in the preliminary trip, not thinking she'd ever go back and so forth. And we started talking about going back. She was saying it matter of factly as if she was going. Hmm. Um, Same thing happened this time. Like, oh, why wouldn't I go back? Um, Every single person on the trip, even the seniors who just graduated, want to go back. Some of them didn't want to come back. You know, they why wasn't this a two week trip? Why um, we have students discussing whether they want to take a gap year there now?
0: I love hearing that kind of testimony, and I hear that often from people that are coming from these types of trips. But I also hear people who haven't been on these types of trips, the fear of the food. Can you speak to that? The food is and was amazing. Like
1: I've eaten it a couple fast food places, and even a sit-down restaurant since I've been back, thinking, oh, good, I can have American food again. I haven't had anything even close. Um, a really, really cute animal that we got to pet on the preliminary trip called a Laba. You could look it up, L-A-B-B-A. Um, looks like an ant eater with a squirrel's head and deer markings on its side of a young deer, nursed on our finger and everything. Uh, we got to eat that this time, and it was delicious. It was the closest thing to steak that you're going to find in a rodent. Uh, but they and that sound may sound horrible to you, but the chicken, the rice, the 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 bread that they bake and put eggs in. I've never had scrambled eggs better than in Guyana, and they're cooking everything from scratch in a hut, like just like in hmm. th- with a propane stove because there is no electricity in Sibai at all except for one generator at the church where people can charge
0: their phones. Okay, once so the, a day. the food was good. And the food was but great. But you're just saying there's no power why I'm still trying to get my head around why somebody would want to go back. Why wouldn't there be that thought process of this too shall end and I'll be home back in the comforts of who, uh, who I am. Why would you want to linger there? Why would you want to go back? There's a little bit of a shock culture
1: shock when you first get there and not when you first get to Georgetown, but when you get into the interior of Guyana in the rainforest and you know, can't call anybody and, that your bathroom is at a concrete box, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing with the shower. I can't stand up in the shower. And um, not I mean, I don't mean under the shower thing, the faucet. I mean, I can't stand up because of the ceiling in the shower. Um, to know that you have to sleep in mosquito nets over your hammock because... Of the mosquitoes and again, you're not things selling like that. this, man. Or for oh. a lot of people look <laughs> so, <laughs> so this, you have those, that initial culture shock that comes in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then it's a freedom. Mm-hmm. You realize I'm not missing these things. I'm free from the trappings of these things, the stuff, the materialism, the rat race, the um, scrolling endlessly on a social media app. When you realize 45 minutes have gone by. of your life that you were placed here to do things God has planned for you in advance for you to do. How many things have I missed because I was scrolling on a social media feed that God wanted me to accomplish? And all that goes away, and it just becomes about your relationship with God and the people that he's called you to. And that—the time becomes irrelevant. We don't know what time it is half the time. Wow. And that—it's just a—it's hard to explain— the conversations in the hammocks, the uh, just sitting around and having those conversations, <clears throat> loving on the kids. There was there was a time when, um, and they don't see blonde hair much. We had three blonde haired people with us, um, where one of our students had a kid sitting on his knee, and another kid leaning on his shoulder, and another kid um, rubbing his hands through his hair, and like things that you would be in the states, like whoa whoa, whoa hold on boundaries. We've got a bubble that you're not supposed to encroach upon. They just love you
0: unconditionally from the moment they meet you and speaking of that i've seen some pictures uh that you guys have brought back of some of that stuff you just described and we're going to be posting some pictures that uh for a few months um that'll be out there before the next trip I guess as an update of pictures that you can find at com. So if you're listening to this, go to our website, kind of click through, you'll be able to find Guyana Update. It may turn into eventually a latest mission update or something like that, but they should be online for a few months from this podcast to be able to see those pictures. They're, they're you know, a picture paints a thousand words. When I looked at those pictures, mm-hmm. you could see exactly what you just described in those pictures. It was It was really cool. And people that I would... That I would see acting a certain way here in the states, um, in the picture, you could tell they had just kind of let their guard down, and was just being real to who they were themselves, but also to the children. So that's good to hear. So they're loving. So absolutely. What I hear you in a nutshell saying is the reason to go back is, is the getting in touch with who you really are without of all out all the distractions. Um, understanding and hearing your call and purpose from God and being able to apply it instantaneously as you're there.
1: I I think you might think, I can't do that here, why would I go there? If you go there, you'll be able to do it here. There's something about getting out of your context um, and out of your comfort zone that will awaken that person in you that God's called you to be, Mm. and you can come back into this context and... Yeah, I'm convinced that the enemy
0: enemy uses a distraction and busyness to prevent us from reaching the call, complete call that God has in us, and that God has, he says, you know, my grace is sufficient, but he also says my call is for you today. That's why Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about what you're called to today and what you're doing today. And so we we, we're scared of the silence. We're scared of the not having something in front of our face. We're we're scared of of not being busy and having our minds occupied with something. And so I can certainly see listening to you. I can in my mind see now how that's completely unplugged. Right. You can't connect with anybody with your with your devices there because there's just no service for two or three days. You're like that. The only people you have are the missionaries, your team, your team. and the we, kids you're working with. We took four. The four students that we took this time,
1: none of them were in the friend group with each other. They all had their own friend groups. None of them. I never see them hanging out, never see them talking. They just didn't feel like they had anything in common. And by the end of the trip, they're... Like they had always the missionary was actually surprised that they weren't on the same friend group before. Hmm. Um, because they had grown so close together. And it would have been so easy for especially a teenager to say, I can't go on that trip because I don't have any of my friends going. And you see that happen a lot with all kinds of trips and things. And they just so they were not just out of their comfort zone and element, they didn't go in it with friends that they had. Um, prior to that. Um, some of the adults didn't know each other Really, really well. They knew each other from church, but not, mm-hmm. not really well. And um, we have a camaraderie will ne- that will never go away. The eight of us, um, the experience that we that we had together. I think as a you didn't ask this question, but I'm going to throw it in there. Um,
0: <laughs> it was probably on the agenda. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, <clears throat> one of my frustrations. I won't say pet peeve, but frustrations as a youth pastor, as in, in multiple churches over the years, has been that missions and serving domestic whether it's in the local community or foreign missions is seen as something that the teenagers should probably do before they leave high school so they'll be able to appreciate the things that they have um and you know go into a context where people don't have as much and learn that, or go serve Jesus in that way. Or if we, we find a project, that'd be something great for the teens to do. We obviously don't want them to become delinquents and end up in juvie. And so that's kind of the mindset that we have in the church world right. around that. And hearing from the adult who went on the preliminary trip, just crying in her hammock, saying that, I, why did I wait so long? Why did I wait so long? I would say short-term missions is something everyone needs to experience if they're a believer. Um, doesn't mean that you need to, you know, sell everything and move to a third world country or something and live there for the rest of your life. Um, but it's hard for me to say, and I want to do this every time I go into a missions thing as a, as even as a youth pastor who, who believes he's going to be here until he dies as youth pastor in Peninsula. Um, I have to say to God, if I'm going into that context, yes, I'm going in to breathe life into the missionaries and give them a break and and help pour into them. I'm going to share the gospel and to, um, to assist the local church in their context. But I'm also saying, here am I, send me. And if that means supporting that financially, if that means coming back and bringing teams, if that means God says, Nate, you take your family and you move there, if we don't ever get to the point where we are willing to say to God, here am I, send me, how many things will we miss in our life of where he might've sent us? Now, so far in every international mission trip I've done, he hasn't said pick up and move there. Um, he might would say that one day. He's not saying that now, but he is saying, continue to take back teams, awaken this within people of, of who they are and, and how they're going to partner with the church global to see more and more people come to Jesus Christ.
0: Right. And you kind of leaned toward what my next question was going to be. You've already answered it, and maybe you can nutshell it now. But the question was going to be, okay, so you've taken this trip to Guyana. Um, You were able to share the gospel, um, and I want to hear about one of the services in just a moment I'll ask you about. But uh, we need to be doing that here. So our, our... Uh, kind of vision statement um, as a church is live biblical truth, uh, build solid homes, and impact our community and world for Christ. And so that community component in there, why can't we just focus on Mooresville, North Carolina? Why go all the way down to South America? Um, Why why do that? Why not stay here and focus here and our energy and efforts on here? Nutshell that for us, because you've already touched on a lot of it, but maybe get those bullet points out of what we've already said and give it like a little tweetable thought of why go on a trip like this.
1: Well, in Acts 1, Jesus says, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, period. No, I'm sorry. There's more to the verse than that. <laughs> and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the other most parts of the earth. Um, part of the Great Commission is the world. And we don't have christians everywhere in the world. We don't have um, we don't have thriving churches everywhere in the world and when Jesus said in Matthew 24, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the ends of the earth and then the end will come. He was saying this is the end goal. Like the reason the Lord tarries and hasn't come back yet is because he's waiting for representatives of every tribe, tongue, nation and people to be before the throne for eternity praising the Father and being being in unity with God. And it's it's a it's an amazing task. And it doesn't mean that if you go on a missions trip that your responsibility has been done and you can wash your hands of your of your locality you live in. Um, if anything, it should just light a fire under you to reach your neighbors and to reach your coworkers and the people that you do life with on a regular basis. Because they are they're not divorced from that. He didn't say Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then. It wasn't an order. He said, and in, and in, and in, because it's a simultaneous thing. We don't break from doing local missions and only focus on international. We don't do international or. break from international and this year we're only focusing on local missions it's a it's an all-encompassing that we are to make disciples uh, wherever it is that that God takes us and so we do want to impact our community and our world for Christ because Jesus died for the whole world um, he didn't die for one community and, and and no way you slice it no verse you're going to find in scripture that will support um, kind of just keeping it to ourselves, and we've got enough now, or we've got this um, Christian country club, or us four no more holy huddle mentality. It's, it's, this message is too good to keep to ourselves, and we've got to take it as far as we can.
0: The uh, all happening at one time, I think, could be illustrated in the story you told toward the beginning of this podcast, where a student who had never shared their testimony, never shared their faith, was able to do so there, kind of came in touch with themselves, who they were before God, and then within two or three days, being back here in the States, shared their faith with someone else that Absolutely. they worked with. And so that's a discipleship process. So it's not just going and making disciples, but it's going and becoming right. a disciple. So on a scale of one to ten... One... They, were,
1: they were freaked out by, about that, by the way, about oh, having imagine. to do that. Before they went, and as an example in our training sessions... All of the adults going shared their testimonies one by one each time we trained, um, because it's an example mindset. It's one thing to think, yeah, you guys should go. You're getting ready to go into college. This will be a good experience. But our teenagers and our children need to see our adults in church lead in foreign missions. They need to see them go. They need to see, they were, they were a unified team that whether it's a teenager or an adult who was on the trip, um, it, there was no there was no age difference as far as what god was calling us to do
0: so you would look at it a little bit differently probably than someone who's never been but on a scale of 1 to 10 1 being extremely easy 10 being you know near death experience difficulty where would you put a trip like this on the scale <laughs>
1: To an American who's only gone out of the country to the resort side of things or to on a vacation type thing um, where you've been able to flip on light switches at any time, been able to charge your phone, been able to reach people, been able to have plumbing that's not just water that's co- being caught as rainwater, um, you've got to get your heart and your mind in the right mindset of why you're there. Uh, Because it could be a, it could, it could easily be 6.57 and that might be enough to dissuade you from going. Um, but it's only like that for maybe a day and a half. And then you're just like, wow, this is, I can see how people can live like this. You kind of go from, oh my goodness, walking through a village, like, I can't believe they live like this to How freeing that must be to live like this, you know? Right. And so it's a, uh, it's it's just kind of a, a transition there. You make you make the the necessary adjustments, um, and you kind of move on. Um, we went from oh, I guess we're gonna have to cancel rec because it's raining, just downpour raining. To hey, the kids are fine with that. Let's play in the rain. And <laughs> uh, so like you just make that adjustment. Like where where, where where do we got to go? Who are we trying to impress? let's let's plan the rain it's yeah. not a
0: it's not a super cold rain we're here as ambassadors <laughs> for Christ let's yeah. go be Jesus to these children regardless of what we're offered that's that's an amazing thing so let's talk about briefly those things that you and I might call those God moments let's just kind of maybe bullet point some of those things some of the the highlights of uh, of it. You already said that in one village, you had a quarter of the village show up for as children um, for part of it. What are some other things that you would say are the highlights that you saw God do? I would say um, a couple of days in, we had a student.
1: Um, we don't know if he ingested some water from the, from the river or whatever, because you can bathe in the river or in the shower you can't stand up in, but um, but he, he got he got sick and fever and vomiting, things like that. And your your first thought as a leader is, oh, my goodness, there is no doctor here. Um, now, we could put him on a boat. We could get to Port Kaituma, which is, you know, a good hour-ish ride. And um, and there's a doctor there. Not not a great doctor, but a doctor. Or if worse came to worse and he need an IV, he could probably get an IV there. But we could – and we had a nurse with us but we could, we could airlift him out. You know, we'd have to go about a 30 minute ride to get cell service. And we could do that if we needed to. Um, but kind of monitoring him, the nurse who was with us monitoring him and so forth throughout the day and him definitely not wanting to be airlifted out or leave. And, you know, he was enjoying himself prior to this little bout. Um, but in the service that night, he couldn't come. He was in a hammock in the next building, could hear some of what we we're saying and so forth. The missionary decided that it was time for the church to pray for him. And about fifteen minutes after that the service ended, and the student just walked in full smile, feeling a hundred percent. the the next day he was doing a push up contest with some of the locals. <laughs> and so like and and doing well. I think he pumped out about fifty in a row. Um It was just night and day. And just to see something like that that seemed miraculous when he couldn't... He'd say he felt okay, and he'd try to sit up in the hammock, and then his stomach would go crazy. Um, And that had been all day, to see such a miraculous turnaround um, on a people who, when they have a headache, they can't grab an ibuprofen. It's not available to them. That Their first recourse for everything is prayer. Hmm. And um, that type of faith... um, I had every kind of medication you could think of with me, just in case. The Tums, the Excedrin, it's all there, and to just know that their first recourse is Jesus, and uh, that was that was really that was really cool. Um, we saw 52 students and adults come to Christ, even a couple senior adults. Um, the Tuesday night when we were getting ready to leave Sebi. Um, We we never did there, we never did an invitation for just the children. We waited until the night service when parents were with them and so forth, because we're not there to try to get numbers or manipulate. We want to make sure that they understand it and they have somebody else with them. Some of the students came who accepted Christ, whose parents don't go to church, and had walked there through the jungle. And they got all their names, and the pastor of that church and the local missionaries are going to visit each home. Mm. and share the gospel with them. Um, Say, here, they came to this, and this is what happened, and can we tell you about this? And use that as an inroads to the gospel. Uh, We did an invitation the last day of the one in Canal Bank and saw 21 students come to Christ. We only did it with the older students, Um, and we shared with the younger students that they could come talk to anybody. Because, again, it's easy with younger students to have people just raise their hand or stand up and we wanted to be cautious about that. But all of those will be visited by that local pastor and the missionary is going to assist with that. So they've they've got a lot of follow up and work ahead of them with the students that I think is just amazing. But God's stories of seeing people want to take maybe a gap year or internship or everyone wanting to go back, even if they're going to college this year. How many how long do I have to be in college before I can come back as a leader and um even hearing some, like, just very disappointed.
0: Even the one that got sick wants to go back? Yes. Yeah. Yes. See, that's a strong testimony because, you know, when, you, when you're when you doing something hard and then it gets even harder, yeah. uh, we tend not to, in our human thought process, say, uh, oh, I'm kind of well, glad me, this is happening. We really want to lean toward, if I ever get out of this, I'm never coming back. So the student who got sick,
1: when he was completely better. The next day we were leaving. So we had gone to church with those people and really not got to know them that day. We had one full day of VBS with them. The other two students are very, love athletics and everything, and really the kids are all climbing all over them and stuff. And the student's more quiet and reserved. And he gets sick the next day. And so he didn't have that feeling that he had really connected with those students, and we go into a new area and he could have just wrote it off and said it's not working this week. And um, he connected with students there. And that the last night we were there, um, it, the students had all gone home and so forth. Uh, it was dark at six thirty. We were in our hammocks by seven thirty. And because it's over a kind of over a swamp, there's a lot of mosquitoes. And so we're in our hammocks, just kind of talking. <coughs> and I needed to go to the bathroom. I got up, walked down the steps. He's still down there, because the pastor has 13 children that live there. He's got one that's grown and has a baby of his own. Hmm. And he's got all those students down there, and he's leading them in games and worship songs. Um, just doing a like, round three of VBS, hmm. and just connecting with them, and they're, they're hanging out his every word. And just to see that when he could... I mean, he was down there probably for another three hours, and wow. in the darkness using some flashlights they hung up on a clothesline and pretty impressed like it kind of hit me like wow this is and i didn't wake anybody else up to go down there and join them because it was just god was using him in that moment to really connect with those kids and they they didn't want to say goodbye to him the next day i mean um so yeah little little things like that and i i if I sat here long enough, I would think of more and more God stories. Right, right. That well, came I'm a, hoping this podcast that. will
0: prod people to look up the ones who went and go to them and ask them questions about the things that God did, because not only did you go there and see God work, but you brought back to Mooresville a continued working of God, and not only did you bring it back to Morsel, but you brought it back to Peninsula. And, and you were able, the students were able to share with the rest of the youth ministry on Sunday morning in the youth hours that we have here, the, their stories, their testimonies. Right. And so to impact that calling. But I'm hoping that as, as you, the listener of this podcast, are kind of taking this in and exploring your own heart, your own thought, ask yourself these questions. One is, what is it that you're doing that's hard for the kingdom. Um, And is it possible that there's something here local that you could plug into a ministry that Peninsula is already partnering with, a ministry within our four walls, but possibility of going on one of these trips that um, could take you out of your comfort zone? What is it that you're doing in your life that is taking you to the next step of discipleship um, that allows you to come more in tune with our Creator. And so, Nate, I believe, I've heard you say, and I know through talking with Pastor Adam, who coordinates a lot of the mission efforts here, he's our Connections pastor, um, that this wasn't just a standalone trip. This is a partnership we have with the mans and the ministry that they do there, and that there are going to be more trips to come to Guyana. So what do you see? You don't have to give time frame, but what do you see the next trip being there? We definitely have one next summer with,
1: with the youth, but I I would love to see a trip happen maybe in the spring with, with adults, um, that can take off work or whatever, whatever, or maybe you, maybe you, um, have a flexible schedule or you've got time saved up or you're a stay at home mom or there's, there's no limits to it, but to see, um, a trip probably consisting of about the same amount of people around 8 or 10. The planes only seat 12 and then a pilot. So um, right. we'd like to keep these trips under that number um, so we're not taking two different planes and waiting on on the other one. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't even mind leading a trip like that with adults if it came to it or, or somebody else may lead that trip. Right. But um, going back and partnering, we definitely want to take a couple of people who've already been and then people who haven't been So we can keep that, um, we can take more people if the missionaries don't have to meet us in Georgetown first and take us back to Georgetown because they, they're one of the seats on the plane. So, um, there's a few adults who went on this trip that I feel confident could be that point person Mm. besides myself, um, to where the missionaries don't have to meet us there in Georgetown.
0: You would know where you're going, what you're doing. Yeah.
1: We know our way around and how to deal with the locals and so forth, um, yeah, I would, I would love to see that happen um, sooner rather than later.
0: So there's absolutely no way we could cover everything and someone listening to a podcast that's 30, 40 minutes of what God did and what we'll continue to do there. But I wanted to kind of roundhouse this back to the, uh, something that you and I were talking about before we started recording this podcast. You were talking about the discipleship, and I had asked you the question, what would you say if I said, why go? And you spoke into the discipleship component of what we think discipleship is, but what discipleship actually by the definition of Paul and peter Mm -hmm. and jesus is can you revisit that conversation yeah
1: and we actually we actually use this in guyana as we did our vbs we were doing what you might have heard as the wordless book before where it's black white or black red white green gold where it's uh our sin christ's blood he makes us clean we grow that's the green and then one day we're with him in heaven and in the grow aspect we really because they experience this more than we do in america Um, We wanted to let them know what growing as a disciple is. And we often think it's, I'm going to read my Bible and dig in there. I'm going to pray to God. I'm going to worship corporately with believers and on my own. I'm going to serve in the local church or serve outside the local church as well and then share my faith. And we kind of see those as like the five spokes of growing in our faith. But we forget that over and over again, Paul talks about um, how we are refined and how we grow and Peter and Jesus as well that and blessings come from this but suffering and persecution we're so opposed to them even though they are the things that help make us who we're supposed to be when we go through something and we can help other people who've gone through those things and our faith can be stronger and our faith is only made stronger when we have to put more faith and trust in him instead of ourselves and where we become weak he becomes strong and so I feel like in America, a lot of times we're we're so opposed to suffering that anytime there is any sort of suffering in our life, we want to ease it up and we want to get back to comfortable. So if we see anything that might be uncomfortable abroad, we automatically just write it off. Mm. It's like, oh, that's 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 probably not going to be good. Or if, if our if our students are going to experience uncomfortability on this trip, how can we make it more comfortable for them? And um, it's not always a good thing. Um, logistics and keeping things decently and in an order like the spirit would do it is a good idea. But just because something's uncomfortable doesn't mean it's not worth doing. Mm. Um, otherwise men who are listening, who've proposed to their wives would have never proposed. It's a very uncomfortable thing to do. You don't know how it's going to go and you did it anyway and it was worth doing. And there's a lot of things like that. Women, you wouldn't have any kids right now because it's kind of an uncomfortable thing I've heard to <laughs> yeah. bear a child right, right. Um, ever since Eve. And it's worth doing most of the things that are hard in life are the things that are the most worth doing and the easy things are usually a path to to something that's not going to grow you
0: right right and then we kind of stay static well, thank you for your time this morning. I know you've got uh, a busy preparation for things to come. Fall is looming on us as you're coming out of the summer, and there's a lot of things going on. So thank you for carving time out of your day to come in here and talk to us a little bit about what happened in Guyana. I'm hoping you, the listener, have been kind of challenged not only where you are in your walk with Christ, but also that you would look into what Peninsula is doing that you may be able to plug into and be a part of it. But also, I've got all these also's going on. I think there's a lot to get out of this episode that you hear that God is working here at Peninsula God is working in Mooresville and God is working in Guyana, and He is at work every day and to look for Absolutely. opportunities to join him in that work is part of our adventure I, don't, I wanna add something i want
1: i wanna um maybe you didn't go on this trip I mean there's a good chance if you're listening to me, you didn't go since only eight people went um and you've just been. You've been pouring in financially or prayerfully mm. into what Peninsula is doing mission-wise. You're a huge part of the results. Absolutely. And I want to thank you guys for that. I want you to sit there thinking, oh, no, I didn't go. I'm, I'm a failure. Consider going, absolutely. But the things that you're doing as a church and being a part of a church that emphasizes local and international missions is huge. It's huge. Um, one thing uh, that the missionaries have been there 22 years and they have brought teams in after teams in after teams in. They said this is the first team they've ever brought in. These are teams that you're raising here as a church, whether you've helped in nursery or you're smiling at kids in the hallway or you've Mm -hmm. been in children's ministries. You you helped these students and adults become who they are. They never heard a complaint out of the mouth of anybody on our team. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't because we hid when we talked about things we were complaining about. It's because we weren't complaining. And um, they said never seen a team this organized either, and so that that's a it's a testament to where we're going as a mission um, as a missions minded church, mm-hmm. and and how we represent not just Christ and the kingdom but but Peninsula Baptist wherever we go. Yeah, and so um, yeah,
0: thank you for that reminder. That's one thing that I alluded to when i was introducing at the beginning of the message this past sunday as i said the generosity of this church has created an environment to give us the ability to be able to go and that in a real way everyone who's participating in this church here locally was actually there with you guys in guyana to help set that up and and to promote it and you're right it creates an environment to be able to go and do uh, and be ambassadors for christ And so, amazing time. I'm looking forward to uh, more stories uh, for the timing and God's call for when I can go as well to see the ministry there on the ground. And uh, I know that will happen in the future. We have other mission uh, partnerships that we're developing, a couple here local, another one that's abroad. And uh, I think we'll probably be able to run three or four partnerships in our church that people can be able to select from that and uh, be involved in it. But know this, God is at work, and uh, we get the joy of watching Him work as we uh, join in His efforts. So again, thank you for being here. Get some rest. Glad to do it. Get some uh, strength for your next thing that's coming up that's right around the corner. You're doing an amazing job with our teams here and with their families, so thank you for that. And you, the listener, thank you for listening to this, and I hope you have an incredibly blessed day.